everybody this is carrie coming at you from the editing studio so popping in here to um do a little bit of a content warning on this particular episode um if you are not already reading saga again massive massive spoilers in this one also wanted to let you folks know that the boys do touch on some um sensitive materials uh, abortion is discussed, miscarriages, kind of um, some pregnancy talk. So if you have any issues with any of that, um, you might want to maybe not listen only because um, there happens to be quite a bit of that talk. Uh, they do it very respectfully, but it's not for everyone. So just to give you that heads up and... Um, get some Kleenex. This one made me sad listening, so just a forewarning. Uh, enjoy! Hi everyone! Welcome back again for the third installment of the Saga Saga, where we're retelling everything you need and want to know about the Saga Saga. I say it again. <laughs> <laughs> and with me again is Richard. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, man? Oh, doing well. And, you know, besides solving my eyes out, which we'll get to in a few minutes here <laughs> or you know, towards the end of the show. But yeah, um, this is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, and once again, just like the, the previous two episodes, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. This is more if you've read and you want to you want to kind of a quick recap without reading again or you just reread and you kind of want to hear what we have to say about it. You know, this is kind of a kind of a quick insight into saga like uh we we've been doing so here we go <laughs> all right so we're gonna start with volume seven we're gonna go through nine uh that'll get us to issue 54 which is the last issue that was written before the hiatus that happened in what 2018 Jeez. i think yeah so it's been a while since we we've had this and when you get the um to the cliffhanger page of the last episode or last issue of issue 54 this is what a lot of people had to live with for almost three years was it at the uh what? the end of cowboy bebop you're gonna have to carry that weight yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so all right okay so we'll go ahead and get into volume seven like always i'll, I'll start with the comicsology very succinct summaries um the war for fang is an epic self-contained saga event. Finally reunited with her ever-expanding family, Hazel travels to a war-torn comet with the Wreath. Wreath and Landfall have been battling over for ages. New friendships are forged and others are lost forever in this action-packed volume about families, combat, and refugee experience. So that's it. All right. Have a good night. No. Um, okay. <laughs> I think I made that joke last time too, so I do apologize. <laughs> okay. So we're going to, um, volume seven introduces the, I, I didn't know what to call them. The little, the little marmot family on fame. Oh yeah. I, um, uh, Jabra and Curdy are like the two, the yeah, two the main two, ones. The two named ones at the very least. Yeah. And then uh, you also meet the Mark, um, the lure and an unknown assassin at this time um at towards the end and uh, which spoiler it turns out to be iantha 
Um, and so we'll, we'll go ahead and get started here. So families reunited along with Sir Robot, Isabel, and Petrichor in the rocket ship, and they're running out of fuel. They decide to land on the comet known as Fang, which is also Sophie, uh, who we talked about a few times already. Uh, it's her birthplace. Um, because, mm-hmm. But basically, it's their last hope of, um, of getting fuel, but they're not like too enthused about landing there because it's literally a constant war zone (laughs) and um so um at the same time sir robot is starting to have erotic feelings about alana and despite him like trying to resist them and um they all land on fang for a quick refuel but they meet a family of those rodent marmot characters that we just mentioned and they're starving and, and they're thirsty and they need some help so they end up staying six months helping this family out on this uh this comet <laughs> and uh so you get kind of a, a quick six month time jump um alana is a lot more pregnant than she was earlier <laughs> and uh and they're kind of just like you know, kind of created this like fun found family living on this comet um kind of a cool i think that's kind of a theme of this book is is found families absolutely yeah and, um yeah. when i was reading the beginning of this volume Mm-hmm. The little marmot family, I was convinced when they were first introduced that they were going to be like, you know, oh, these cute aliens that are actually bloodthirsty trying to kill us. And there's so many allusions to that because everyone, like Robot and Petricor, are both like, dude, get away from these things. They're going to do yeah, something. Don't trust them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I, I, I stayed suspicious to them all, almost all the way till the end. Yeah. So, spoiler alert there, they actually turn out to be a nice little family. They're just nice people. They're yeah. just nice people. And the, the worst of it is Curdy, and he's just a rambunctious kid that yep. gets into trouble and blows up bugs or blows up, or helps, helps a lot, or Hazel blow up bugs, but uh, nothing too, too detrimental. So, um, so they, so speaking of those bugs, so Hazel's, you know, kind of being a, a a toddler and using her magic to make these little magical bugs explode and turn into little fireworks and isabel sees uh, hazel doing this and scolds her obviously for harming you know creatures for no reason but for her entertainment and hazel lashes out at isabel and kind of leave on bad terms Uh uh-oh we're boating um Mm -hmm. and so isabel sees robot is about to leave to look for fuel at the abandoned robot embassy so he can at least get out the comet and back to his son which is it's been a while since he's seen them and uh isabel convinces him that let her go by herself um to uh to to recon because she's a ghost so she's able to get through the battlefields without really anyone hurting or bothering her so robot does agree to this and isabel leaves um she arrives at the embassy but unfortunately a a, um, a new to this story freelancer the mark which is like a two-headed like siblings <laughs> like a, two siblings on one body essentially um is there is there and they have a pig from uh cleave which is isabel's home planet that they're using it's essentially like a truffle pig almost in a way and they it can sense things from cleave and that's how they're tracking um the rocket ship and and the rest of the family and and, and isabel herself and so so um, um the the stock didn't have like an animal companion but are we like to imagine that most freelancers do so so yeah they um the um there's a quick flashback 
towards the I think volume eight where it's it's um the will and the stock talking to each other and and the will's like oh I'm thinking about getting a a, a pet and the stock's like oh god like every other you know right right and 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 so so yeah i think i think that is the norm that yeah that is i think that's kind of like the stereotype is that these freelancers each have their own pet that does some special ability so um so yeah they're the truffle pig of the mark essentially is is their their special animal um i I would take lion cat any day over (laughs) the truffle pig but that's just me (laughs) i don't know i i really like lion cat but sweet boy Sweet boy, <laughs> yeah, and with its own armaments, you know, yeah. it's pretty cool. And after seeing um the the newest version of Dune with the uh, the little the little uh, Death Seeker like um, needle thing that's mm-hmm. used to try to assassinate people. Oh, there's like it's basically the one of the things that Sweet Boy shoots out of his nostrils is like got it, got it. so like that maybe I was like oh yeah this is pretty badass <laughs> that, that sweet boy has these these amazing um sedative powers with uh, darts coming out of his nose so at least i think it's his nose that they come out of but um so you know we were we're led to think really quick that isabel is safe uh because she's a ghost and she's dead already and but the um the mark basically uh they capture and they, they kind of interrogate her uh, for the whereabouts of Marco, but she resists and they stab her with a sword that apparently can kill ghosts. And so, so much to the surprise of everybody in the story, um, R.I.P. Isabel, you know? So that's one character <laughs> I didn't think was going to die. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so gratuitous because like she's already dead. There's yeah. no need for There's her to die. Absolutely no need to, to kill her again, but yeah, they, they do it. And so um, obviously uh, um, Hazel, who's bound her, is feels it because they had mentioned that before, that um, that the pain of, le- of, of this bond leaving is like immense. So Hazel knows something's up. And uh, so m- meanwhile, though, um, Gwendolyn meets up with Agent Gale, my least favorite character. Actually, no, my second least favorite character. We're about to meet my least favorite character in this entire story in a few pages here. Um, he's uh, clandestinely, they clandestinely meet on this um, other planet, uh, literally in an outhouse, actually, on, on uh, I think it's on, on Landfall. Um, or it might, it might be on the moon. It might, it might mm-hmm. be, it might be Wreath. But, um, but yeah, they, 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 land, they meet in the magic outhouse and uh, they both decide that Fang has been too logistically detrimental to them and that they needs to be destroyed so uh Gwendolyn gives Gail a magic box that will ensure the destruction of Fang and uh, we'll get back to that in just a few moments here um meanwhile back on Fang um so actually before that happens the the will comes back to Sophie and uh and asks Sophie and Lion Cat to rejoin him now that he's been fired as a freelancer um but they both decline so the will scurries off to a remote planet, possibly the I think it's the one that causes the hallucinations that where he almost died in the first place. Right. And he's just basically imagining having sex with the stock and talking to his sister. And then he's accosted by a max, masked assailant saying that the will had killed someone that they loved and um, and have come to avenge their death slowly and painfully. And that <laughs> that's my least favorite character in this entire oh really? Oh, oh. 
just because that she's... character is pretty insufferable. However, Agent Gale was awful. Man. Yeah, Gale, Gale is awful, but even Gale has some redeeming factors. But Ianthe is absolutely like if there's a deplorable villain in this book, it's her. There's like nothing good about her <laughs> in my at least in I mean, my yes, opinion. She, she's she is pretty awful. Yeah, because even she admits like, oh, she's she's out for vengeance, but then she admits that like she's not really out for vengeance. She's just having fun, essentially, and like trying to trying to help herself out. But we'll get back to her in in, um, in volume eight. So that's essentially all we see of her as a volume seven. And so, um, robot decides that he's going to get high for the first time on the rocket ship and confronts Alana about the feelings that he has for her. And uh, and um, they're actually because she's a great mom and not because he's actually romantically attracted to her and he's going to kill himself. And so she can raise Squire. And but Marco kind of walks in and gets attacked out of the blue by out of his mind robot and knocks him out. The the Mark uh, decides to take this time to attack the ship and does so by taking Curdy, the one of the little the little marmot babies hostage and uh, all seems lost but when a rifle goes off and kills the mark which turned out to be have come from marco who had had regained consciousness in time um and so it, and it turns out that fang the comet is flying near that a time suck which might be the same time suck from earlier in the story um because it looks like a it looks like a, a, a barely older time suck than the one we met before and it does and, have rings though <laughs> yeah it does have rings this time and so um that uh, it might be the one that yeah um so the landfallians shoot the magic box from wreath into space nearby the sleeping time suck which wakes it up and causes it to start destroying fang so that's the plan on how to destroy the comet and um so the family and that alana and marco were helping decides to stay because they're like eh, well you know everyone always says this place is going to get destroyed and it hasn't got destroyed yet well Unfortunately, they're wrong <laughs> this time. And um, Petrichor, at the last second, is able to find fuel from the, the Mark's uh, nearby ship um, and refuels the rocket ship at the last second for them to escape, but not before they get banged around a bit by the destruction. So Alana and Marco are thrown around, and then they discover that they no longer can feel or hear the baby growing inside Alana. So, yeah. miscarriage. A new part of the story. Well, so yeah, uh, this this arc is br brutal. Oh, um, yeah. I think we did gloss over the fact that uh, uh, Marco did have to kill the Mark. Yes, which you know, just with his pacifist leadings, like you know, and it was either kill or be killed, and he was gonna. The Mark had what had Petrie hostage, so he had to do what he had to do. But it definitely what like it's definitely one of those plot points that weighs on him. It does, and every time he commits violence, he he has to, you know, basically say, oh, violence just begets violence, and unfortunately, it's a prophecy that might make him true. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, also, and, we we didn't uh, get to one of my just favorite, like, I, one thing I love about this book is since you're on these alien worlds, you just get the most random characters, yes. and when Petricor is out there looking for fuel, the the talking mushroom. <laughs> gives her directions and uh, yes <laughs> and once again just the amazingness you know i i mean basically i'm assuming it's just like fiona just draw what you want to draw <laughs> you know yeah right yeah um no absolutely um 
the yeah once again just taking the time to create a fun fantastical character that gets a panel that looks amazing but then gets like a panel of of story and then it's gone <laughs> so um i'm assuming a lot of these characters are going to come back though you know we'll we'll see what happens um but um also uh so what we who we lost in this part of the story are uh isabel um r.i.p one of my favorite characters so sorry yeah, about that no um, what are the greats yep um the mark uh the thing family and the unborn son of marco and alana i mean wow um and if you think that's the bleakest but, but also we lost sweet boy yeah, we have, uh, no, we lose Sweet Boy in Volume Eight, I think. Or well, at least we know that he's dead. No, 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 no. It, it happens in, uh, does, in does that she, same issue. Does she kill? Does she kill? So she doesn't skin her. Right when, right when she arrives. Okay. Yeah, right when she arrives, she, she, because you know he, because the will is uh, strung out out of his mind. So Sweet yes. Boy is the one that's alert, and she shoots him right in the head immediately. That's right. That's right. Because she's awful. <laughs> I, I had, I yeah, I had his death in in Volume Eight, but yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that is, and and also the whole planet of Fang, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. the whole comet of Fang, right? Yeah, the, all, whatever population wasn't able to get off of Fang. Okay. Um. Um. This is also a uh, this uh, Volume Seven is a PSA for uh, blind faith and religion. Yeah. <laughs> They don't miscarriage if they if the little marmot family just gets on the ship because <laughs> they're super yeah. religious and they're like oh no our god will protect us they're kind of right because the fang is going to miss the uh, time suck yeah but then uh, the 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 landfallians do a little give a little extra juice to make sure that fang isn't able to escape its fate yep so yeah and then and i think what you were about to say too like if they had just got on the ship then there wouldn't have been a miscarriage i mean also yeah. we're not here and there's no story so yeah that's true that's true <laughs> and also if you didn't think um volume seven was bleak enough volume eight i think is the bleakest of all the of all the volumes <laughs> yeah you know so <laughs> so yeah and that i mean it's very great but yes, yeah that. <laughs> welcome to the dark times we're about to get into them on one now. All right, I think we're ready to jump into volume eight. Um, so, quick comicsology summary: uh, After the traumatic events of the War for Fang, Hazel, her parents, and their surviving companions embark on a life-changing adventure at the westernmost edge of the universe. So here we go to the west, the wild, wild west. And introduces Dr. Sheriff, uh, Ma, Pa, Kid, uh, Curdy, the end wife. And um, I put Ayanthe down here because that's when we actually get her name. Um, so um, our it volume eight, the most bleakest of the volumes, opens up on the abortion planets. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Our, our halfless uh, fugitive family, they, they land on a Western kind of style planet, um, which is the only place, of course, in the known universe at the Western edge of the universe where abortions are legally able to be to be uh, performed. Okay. Uh, sound familiar to some certain situations in the United States. Um, and, We're getting there, buddy. Yep. <laughs> So um, Robot's pretending to be another member of the royalty of his family so that he can help kind of get Alana in there uh, in order to get um, 
to get her to, to get the uh, the dead baby out of her. Um, I don't know the the proper way to say that, and I do apologize if I'm saying it offensively. I'm trying not to be offensive, but um, so turns out that uh, Dr. Sheriff, who runs the town, is about to uh, allow them to 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 pass, but then finds out that she's in her third trimester and it's illegal per landfalling in law. <laughs> That she can't have an abortion, even though it's killing her. Um, oh, so, also, we have to note that uh, Dr. Sheriff is an owl yes. person with little owl cowboy boots. It's pretty great. <laughs> Absolutely. It's basically the owl from the old um, Tootsie Pop commercials, but with cowboy gear on. <laughs> yes, so, as a sheriff. Yes. And there's uh, the one panel as a. As, uh, Dr. Sheriff is walking away, but turns back and does like a full owl head turn. Yes. And I was just like, I love this so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's so just like fun and it's attention to detail. It's just amazing. And so let's see. So the plan didn't work. Alana's already pissed at Robot because of what happened last volume. It's um, weird and horny for her. Yeah and got high at the wrong time and uh and so she abandons him in the desert and rides back to the spaceship alone um basically saying fuck off and (laughs) you know we're gonna leave you here um so marco alana and hazel once they're back at the rocket ship decide they're um to head out into the wastelands like dr sheriff had mentioned to get an illegal abortion essentially um from from one of the back essentially the back alley people out there you know um because they can't legally get one um so they leave petrichor alone on the ship and she's having kind of a moment because she's depressed that she has not had anybody to have sex with in a long time and she's kind of horny and uh and she's in her defense she's been running around yeah before that she was in prison so exactly yeah so it has been a minute it, it definitely has been a minute and she's been like an outcast the entire time that she's been in prison as well and and stuff so so it's not like she's had a chance to be intimate with anybody and now she's hanging out with a family and that's you know unfortunately that's um not the best place to find you know love or sex <laughs> sometimes <laughs> um i feel weird saying that i don't know why <laughs> All right, so Petricor is attacked uh, as she's outside of the uh, of the rocket ship um, by a family that uh, which consists of a humanoid husband named Pa, a centaur wife named Ma, and their son who looks like a human on a horse but with no human legs. So like the torso is attached to the body of the horse, and the horse has like a skeleton head. Um, and um, they also have to be pro-lifers, <laughs> and they the, and they they basically rob and kill anyone that come along um, to get an abortion on this planet. So, um, and because because basically, Ma's like they told me not to have this baby, and it was you know, but I did, and and we have this beautiful kid. So my my story is exactly the same as everyone else's story. So therefore, no one should get an abortion you know makes so, sense to me right <laughs> yeah exactly because everyone's exactly the same you know everyone's a centaur woman that fall in love that fell in love with a humanoid man <laughs> so okay um and so uh brief skirmish 
um, Petricor is tied up. It's about to be executed, and one of the most badass moments in Saga is when Petricor gets, you know, is kind of trying to plead her case and gets like the sympathy of Ma and and Pa, and um, and gets Ma near her, and she screams something that that looks like it's very guttural. Petricor does, and lunges for Ma's face and rips her nose off with her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> like just absolute like savagery it's yeah no petrichor is like i'm not afraid to die but you're gonna remember me you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna remember exactly. me every day of your life yeah so the pretty pretty amazing moment and um at that last second before she's about to be hung um the um robot shows up the um and blasts them and is about to kill them but then shows mercy because um because th- they mentioned the son and he's missing his son. And so one of the few times ever that robot has ever shown mercy in this as long as we've known him, um, they he lets them go. And Patrick Hor is pissed off, not because they let he let him go, but because he saved her life because she was basically ready to die. And they get into kind of a, another argument because, like, you know, the the robots are on the side of the Lanfalians and Petrichor is part of the army with Reef. So, you know, they, they just don't get along and robot kind of mentions that he's gender fluid in this, this argument and they are fighting and that passion then becomes a passionate kiss. And they, and it's applied at the moment. And later it's confirmed that they basically, they, they have sex. They, they get freaky right then and there. Um, and um, so meanwhile, while that's all happening, on a train uh, that um, they've hitched a ride on, Alana, Alana has a nightmare which causes her to conjure up the ghost of the son that has just died. And um, which it's was... A, it's him as like a kid closer to uh, Hazel's age. Yeah, it's, it's some kind of magic that basically shows what could have been or what can happen in the future, like perspective future. So he, yeah, he's like he. It kind of appears maybe a, a year older, at least looks wise, than what Hazel is at the time, you know. And and um and is named Curdy because uh, that was the the marmot grandma um had had suggested that they named him Curdy because it was a it was a good name. It meant like sunshine, I think. Mm-hmm. So so the kids, the ghost kid's name is Curdy. Um, kind of traumatic obviously <laughs> that what happens um it also turns out not to just be bad for the spiritual for the heart but it's also bad for the physical heart that this type of magic causes cardiac arrests and alana is not built for magic um the reason why she's committing magic is because the the dead the baby bestowed um the magic of of, of the baby onto her when when it died so that's why she's kind of magical at this moment. And she's doesn't have control of these powers and her emotions. And so she ends up manifesting Curdy. And um, so spell takes a lot out of Alana. And then just about as time they get there, she faints. Um, they're met in the fields by an old spooky house by the end wife, who is about as spooky as that house. Um, scary wolf woman uh, <laughs> with bloody hands. And and basically in my head, voice is like just like a scream, like everything, <laughs> you know, like like can I help you? Like you know, like like everything is like shrill and scary sounding. 
when like, the end wife shows up she's so just terrifying looking <laughs> yeah and it's implied earlier like um when ma and pa were leaving they were like oh good thing you didn't go out into the wastelands because there's literal monsters out there and they're oh do you mean like figuratively and they're like no literal monsters and that's kind of so you're kind of set up to believe that end wife is a monster and she definitely looks like a monster so so it's definitely kind of a jarring moment at that moment you know when she appears um but it turns out she's there to help um takes her into the house um and is performing the the abortion while while hazel has a moment with her unborn brother which is really heartfelt and tragic at the same time because the brother kind of realizes that he's effectively dying again so it's a success they the kid dies twice essentially like i said this is the bleakest of all the volumes um so we then having get... a uh, a ghost child that had never been born question his own mortality is yes it's bleak it's as bleak as <laughs> yeah bleak death um so meanwhile the uh, the will is still in captivity of ayanthe and she's a demented d- diplomat he killed the the partner that she had mentioned earlier and I'm pretty sure one of the bodyguards that had come with Sophie when they were negotiating for Sophie's life. Yes, when they were trying to, when he was just like, I'm going to escape with Sophie. These are the dudes that met him in the desert in the sextillion. Because uh, they, they have the same kind of design. They're the yeah. same yeah, kind of alien um, that uh, Ayanthe is. And so, um, so once again, one of the magic and greatness of this book is how innocuous things like that tie together so like i said earlier about the mushroom dude you're probably gonna get another mushroom dude later that's i, really, I <laughs> hope so yeah he, he looked awesome yeah totally so 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 there is a reason for like the diversity because like they, it, it makes great callbacks essentially um mm-hmm. so um she's turned a uh, sweet boy into a rug because she's a bitch she sucks <laughs> and it's, yeah, no, she's, she's she's pretty oh she's an interesting character just in that but like she's very bloodthirsty for a diplomat like yeah. in a world of literal assassins she's like the most bloodthirsty person we come across yeah she's literally she's using a machine that can read the will's memories to, and like projected onto and, tv yeah, for her yeah projected she, she's watching his memories to find someone to kill basically anyone that's not dead yet that he's loved she's going to kill and she's being very thorough about it and so they're kind of reliving through the will's memories um at this Uh, this i will say this since we both don't like her she has she's another character with an excellent design she's like yeah her costume is like that of a gesture but she's wearing a, a mask that's kind of diamond shaped and it's just it's a very like it's a very evocative design like once you see this character once you're not going to forget this character i when i when she first appeared i thought she was part of the robot um royalty because she kinda, same same yeah because because it's a very it's not a tv but yeah it's a very kind of computery type face you know it seems like some form of monitor yeah exactly and and then and then like the kind of the jester slash like middle east not middle eastern mythal like middle, royalty medieval, medieval royalty yeah <laughs> um costume is uh you know it you know made, 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 makes it look like she's part of the robot royalty but she's definitely not um but yeah she takes off the mask she has the, the weird um squid scuttle face 
that those those other characters did so that's your, your callback there on uh but and of course the will doesn't even remember killing these people because he's the will <laughs> and um so she discovers that alana and marco and hazel um are fi- he finds out their story through the will's memories and, and she's flabbergasted that like yo you've had this information the whole time and you're not leveraging it for something yeah she can't believe that yeah he's yeah and in all honesty too it would make sense if he did because but that kind of leads to uh something like, like especially like with him losing his gig and everything like yeah, yeah exactly i mean he, yeah it, it could really easily be he could really like he could have used that information if nothing else to just be like hey if y'all don't make me a freelancer again i'm going to expose this truth yeah exactly and and (laughs) it could have been something that simple that helps lead to the you know to the revelation of how how inept he is and like how bumbling and terrible he is as at you know in his job even though he's he's an expert killer but he's just you know, he's kind of a. He, he, I I feel he's less bumbling. He's more just like um, like a loop. Like he, it feels like when you see all the flashbacks and you find out how he feels about uh his sister uh yeah. Sophie. Sophie one. He he definitely went into that business because his sister went into that business. It feels like yeah, and he just follows in her footsteps. But also he resents that he follows in her footsteps. Yeah, exactly. And Seems so to be his whole deal. <laughs> Yeah, and it just leads up to you know, like he just seems like a tragic character essentially, and 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 almost ineffectual in a way at this time. Yeah, but the thing is that in being ineffectual, he still does a lot of damage, like at least to the main characters of our story. Yeah, and, and um, that, that's kind of a callback that we're going to get to in just a few. When um when uh she's perusing through her memories, that memory of her, uh, him, and his sister when they were kids, that's extremely bleak and dark like yeah. we don't need to really get into it but yeah it's yeah. bad <laughs> abuse uh, family abuse essentially yeah, family abuse yeah and uh, also they have an uncle who's a freelancer which i'm sure helps you know put them on that path as yeah well. i didn't write down his name and he might come back in the second half of the story i wouldn't be surprised the way things are in the story that he becomes like a main character i wouldn't be yeah if he's still <laughs> alive i'm sure we're gonna see him again yeah so so we'll we'll, we'll see especially after what happens in volume nine uh, he's the letter yeah, the letter. Thank you. Yeah, all really cool names. I think I would like to. Be a no, no. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. No. Um, just that aesthetic that all freelancers are the something is. Yeah. Brilliant. Just a and, stroke of brilliant simplicity. I love it. And once again, it shows like the ineptitude of the will because everyone has like a, a name that doesn't really have to do with their real name, and the will's <laughs> real name is literally Billy. So yeah. it's like it's not even like a clever name. Like yeah. even yeah, like like the brand and the stock, you know, all of them have like clever names. The mark. The mark. Yeah. And yeah. I'm pretty sure the mark's name is not Mark. <laughs> you know, like Very. yeah. That so, would be a shame. Yeah. So so yeah, the will. Uh lack of creativity. Um so I'm I'm and I'm I'm really disparaging him for a reason. And uh if you read through this story yeah, you know awful. why because um, um one thing um i just wanted to make note of because like, we and we don't have to go through it but uh when uh the end wife is uh performing the abortion she and marco get into like this very fascinating uh breakdown about what abortion is mm-hmm. 
if it's wrong, if it isn't wrong, and you know, and comparing that to more like I was just like, this is a very high end conversation for me to be reading in a comic book. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I don't know if it's going to change hearts and minds of however someone would feel about the abortion debate in the real world, but it is very, um, just very, uh, I don't even want to say clinical, but it's just a very mature conversation about something very serious, and I didn't mm-hmm. expect to get that in my comic. It- it's it's the kind of sci-fi i love where they're using they're using fantastical elements to address real life issues right real world situations and like a crazy screaming wolf mother with all her bloody hands and all her like teeth yeah very engorged with milk and hanging about like it's a very like it's quite the character it's a a nightmare she's she's a nightmare character like looks wise but then like you you know looks deceived because she's actually pretty cool nice and i what does she mean when she's like oh you don't have to worry about kids they're all they've all been fed they're sleeping does that mean like they would attack like no that's what i'm saying they're all her uh, teeth are engorged yeah um she's still nursing them but yeah. she's saying you don't have to worry about my kids like they're they're animals you know essentially like real animals like animals don't attack people unless they're scared or they're hungry yeah that's true that's true and so, she's like i just fed them so you're good so yeah okay so so it's a little more primal like but for that reason okay yeah, I, that was that was definitely a question that kind of rose in my head like does that mean like the kids would just automatically if they weren't if they were awake would they just like destroy or kill anyone who's a stranger but but no yeah that totally makes sense um okay so um she so she discovers uh i have to discovers uh alana marco hazel and decides to pursue them for political reasons you know basically the leverage thing um meanwhile uh back on the planet that uh robot was on for a little bit um prince uh or well sorry not prince uh squire and goose uh are stranded on that planet with upshur and doff and uh prince and goose decided to go out and hunt because upshur and doff want to eat friendo and goose does not want that to happen um so they they go out there dave friend is yeah, our friend exactly <laughs> so they they go on a little adventure um and uh and and but then they see smoke as they're coming back and they're afraid but then it turns out that's the rocket ship has landed and everyone is reunited and hazel meets squire for the first time and that narration is really sweet because it basically set, states um because it's hazel from the future talking that squire becomes like basically her brother as the story goes along so mm-hmm. i thought that was pretty cool also foreshadowing why does he why does squire become the brother of hazel i wonder what's going to happen to her fa- his father <laughs> so you know we'll see um so we lose in that in volume really just curdy the the baby ghost yeah uh, <laughs> that's that's it so much like last episode where we had uh, hardly any deaths and all of a sudden it rains it pours we're gonna run into uh episode nine that makes up for all the lack of deaths in episode eight or volume volume eight um so uh let's get into nine unless you have anything else about eight real quick while i switch over to nine's details no i'm good to go Okay, perfect. Um, I'm ready to dive in. So, one sentence. 
Get ready for the most shocking and impactful saga storyline yet. An action-packed adventure about fake news and genuine terror. So that's the one sentence description. Um, uh, I guess fake news. Yeah, okay. I, I see what they're talking At first I was like, what? what are they talking about? But no, I, I totally get what they are talking about. We'll get into that in just a moment here. Um, this, ep- this is the first uh, volume that introduces no one. No new characters. So surprise. I'm, I'm actually surprised. And I wonder if that's going to be kind of like, not, have we got everybody now in the story, more or less? Or are we not going to really get as many introductions as we go along? Like, is everyone, is all our players on the field essentially now? And we're just going to get bit players here and there? Or, you know, what's going to happen? So, well, I um, doubt it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way this, yeah, I, I, I highly doubt that too. We're probably going to get like, 25 new characters and by the end of the story there's gonna be like one character from the first half that's still alive you know so um so episode or volume nine um introduces no one and we'll jump into it right here so we meet up with the family um you know hazel alana marco along with robot squire petrichor goose friendo upshur and doff um they all find themselves um kind of hanging out and uh de-stressing in an abandoned amusement park slash resort island on upshur and doff's home planet uh jetsum um upshur asks marco and alana to tell their story uh, as well as as um as hazel's story obviously and they um basically in return they would be able to transfer their souls magically into like native like bodies or husks of people in jetsam so they, it's essentially like magical um witness relocation program and they would be able to live their lives in peace without having to run so speaking to the personalities of marco and alana they kind of like being on the run with hazel and showing her the galaxy so they decline um plus also hazel hazel's body means something you know she's half and half you know but robot overhears them talking about this um and he asks upshur and doff if he has some information that that uh they can use um will will they do the same for petrichor and squire and him and give them new bodies so they can live their lives on jetsam without being on the run anymore and robot um they 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 agree so robot then tells them a story that when he was on the abortion planet because he's robot he's he finds a brothel because it's like radar for (laughs) for robot and he finds a sex worker and she tells him that she and recorded the story of one of her previous Johns who admitted of being a part of the clandestine mission to destroy Fang. Robot recorded that message as well. So Upshur and Doff figure, yes, that is good enough to get new bodies. So they're going to tell the story of, uh, of the prince. You know, oh, in true uh, prince robot fashion, Whenever he tells you something, the truth is usually on the screen. And all over the screen, when he tells them this, it says, this story will be the death of us. Please say no. <laughs> yeah, it's just a repeat text. Like, don't agree to this. But they do. Yeah. Uh, so, um, foreshadowing. Um, 
so everyone's still having a good time on this planet. Um, Hazel's playing and learning social cues, interacting with Spot Squire. So, you know, toddlers are like the most, uh, like kids are like the, the, the meanest. Kids are mean. Kids are, kids are yeah. evil. They're, they're, they don't know any better. Yeah, exactly. They they have the they have the power and they don't know how to wield it yet. And they have no they have no filter. So she says something really bad to Squire about Squire's mom, um, who you know had got killed when he was born by an assassin. And obviously, you don't see whatever pops up on Squire's face, but there's something that did because you see that the light on Alana's face, you know, of, of Squire's, of Squire's uh, television head. And so, mm-hmm. you know, something popped up there because she's like total like, oh shit, what did I just do? Like, so she's, she's learning, you know, how to be uh, a human essentially, or not a human, but an adult, I guess, you know, and like dealing with people. Squire, it doesn't want a new body. And because he wants to go back to Robot Planet and like find love and be a regal robot, you know, that that he was destined to be, um, you know, before all this other stuff happened. Um, so he's planning on running away. Um, meanwhile, Iantha finds Doff's old colleague, interrogates him for the location of Doff and the family. She then uses the Will, who's now his her captive, in these like like these electrical constraints, essentially. Um, to kill them, uh, to kill the the the, uh, the the old colleague as well as the rest of the entourage. So she's just basically kind of burrowing, burrowing her burrowing her way through to be people to find Kane and uh, Kane, Alana and Marco, Kane and Marco. Kane Marco. <laughs> Where did that come from? I Kane know. Marco is uh, the juggernaut. Kane Marco. Thank you. Okay. My, <laughs> wow, that came out of what that came out of nowhere i have no idea where that came from our uh, nerd brains have special powers brian don't yeah. worry i've been saying marco so much yeah eventually a king's gonna pop out i guess you know because nothing can stop the juggernaut and apparently in my conversations as well um <laughs> so um okay well no juggernaut involved but um but yeah she's looking for marco and alana and um she gets finds the island. Um, Doff, um, she comes across Doff, who uh, decides to fight her because basically the will spells it out. She's gonna kill you anyways, whether or not you give her information, you know, give her the information she wants. So he attacks her uh, while they're embraced. Gun goes off. It kills Doff, and um, and uh, but as Doff was dying, or right before Doff died. He hit the button to the remote that controlled the restraints that Iantha had on Will, and Will just poof <laughs> disappears. <laughs> he like out of nowhere, you know. Like obviously, he just gets the hell out of there. Um, I think he's no, he's not naked at the time. He was naked earlier, but the, no, he right, has, right, yeah, she had him dragging around, but now she has him in a little costume. The the, the co- doing the, her bidding. The cloak that he was wearing the entire time, he actually has the hood up, you know, because. Because the 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 brand made a reference earlier that that was not a, uh, you know that that was not his like his his working clothes. Is that, that was actually like cosplay for a character? You never really mm-hmm. find out what character, but I'm assuming it has to do with the circuit, is is or or some kind of superhero that the will, the will uh, liked as a kid, 
Um, so because he kind of looks like a superhero, which is once again, I will say this. Yes. Um. Yes, he's being horribly tortured, but I mean, as someone who could lose a couple of COVID pounds, he's definitely lost some some weight yes. throughout his torture. Yes, he's he's back in he's back in pre COVID shape essentially. Right at this moment. Um. So he runs away. Uh, I think kind of goes after her or after him. He writes a eloquent letter. To Iantha sticks on a tree, saying, "You know, you go your way, I go my way. We're, we're you kill sweet boy, I killed your 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 boyfriend or fiance or husband. I forget which one it was. We're we're square, you know. And like, and it was, it was written in. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> it was it was written in uh, cursive, by the way. And Iantha actually is like, I love the fact that he writes in cursive, which is." Once again, it's kind of it's weird. Will the Will is such a weird character. I don't know what he's very everything about him is very random. Yeah, it is. It, it totally is. And um, so um well he he's gone for the time being. Um Squire and Axis plan to run away. Um, and he's out into the wilderness. Everyone goes out to go find him. Um the he's almost killed by a creature another awesome design creature where it looks like these little rainbow worms that are coming out of the out of the ground and then it turns out those are tentacles for a ground monster which is literally like a mouth and eyes inside like sod like grass essentially mm-hmm. and he's about to get eaten but who saves squire Iantha, which doesn't turn out to be the best thing even though he's she saved his life uh, she uses him as a shield slash uh, hostage and comes to the rocket ship, which right now is only with Hazel and Upshur are the only people there because everyone else has gone looking for sh- for a spire. Um, the, when, when um, I forget what causes Upshur to shoot a signal up into the air, but he does so uh, right before Iantha gets there. Um, I think because they see the spa- they see the spaceship. Oh, that's right. They see Iantha's spaceship, um, so they know that they're not alone. So I think that's what that. Um, so he, they 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 shoot a they shoot something up in right. the air to 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 give a signal. But so Alana answers the signal as and kind of goes comes in from the side of Iantha, um, surprises Iantha. She uh, sh- shoots um, Alana. Uh, basically tears her wing off with the shot that she shoots um, causes a, causes the flying Alana to kind of fall to the ground um, the Upshur uses that moment to jump onto Iantha just like Doff had done earlier um, they they embrace with the gun in between them the gun goes off but this time it's Iantha who gets shot mm-hmm. not Upshur thank god <laughs> you know very deservingly yes and so Doff she and he also at that time he knows about Doth as well that uh, she has killed Doth, uh, his love. So not not too happy about that. Um, so they basically leave her to bleed out on the beach. They don't even kill her. They just you know let her die, <laughs> which is what she deserves. <laughs> so um, meanwhile, um, the the Gale is also pulling some sneaky shit with the. Uh, with the newspaper's publisher, um, he's, he's able to stop the story that Robot was telling of Sherendoff from being printed. So all that is for naught. It's it's now not going to be printed. It's not going to be published. And this whole time on this island, it means nothing now. 
um, effectively. So the will appears again, um, gets jump on robot, the person that he's been trying to kill since issue one, I think. More or less. Yeah. Maybe and, not issue one, but at least like issue three or four. Yeah. <laughs> so to revenge the stocks, uh, death that robot, robot had killed the stock earlier in volume one. Um, so um, he puts his, uh, he's able to use his lance weapon. He had to bypass it because it was decommissioned once he got fired um, from the, uh, from the freelancers. But he's able to he's able to shoot it off. He gets it through the cannon arm of robot, so the robot can't use his weapon without exploding. Um, and so he's able to get close to robot. Um, robot starts negotiating his freedom by like selling out Alana Marco because it's robot. Marco overhears the whole thing, um, so, but he still wants to rescue robot because he doesn't believe anything robot says. You know, and, well, the thing is, is this is that robot is also remember he, his truth is always on his screen. So as yeah. he's saying all this stuff, he's talking about selling out Marco. But then as soon as uh, Marco arrives, his screen sh- uh, shows a knight in shining armor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so so yeah, he uh, yeah he, he he's he's actually is bsing at the time. Um, so um, Will has robot in a kind of a hostage like you know hold. Uh, we're with with the robot you know in front of him protecting protecting the will's body um the will takes the opportunity in that intimate situation with the robot to literally rip the robot's head off and r.i.p robots in a very gruesome way this inept character all of a sudden is showing that he's not inept <laughs> yeah and oh man he's a jerk though Gruesome death. Yeah. And then also, yeah. And the will's almost lovable throughout the story. And all of a sudden now he's not that lovable. <laughs> um, and he don't worry, he gets even more unlovable in just a moment here. Um <laughs> the uh the so the will tries to use his lance on Marco after he rips robot's head off. Um, and it backfires because remember he had a Jerry Rig it in the first place. Um, and uh it kind of creates this shrapnel bludgeon on his hand, essentially. Um, but Marco rushes the will. They fall off the cliff uh, together that they're on, and then they land uh, in Iantha's ship that she had landed in the water. Um, the will launches the ship uh, to stabilize Marco, but Marco um, hits him with a lightning spell as they reach outer space, which kind of destabilizes the will. But Marco has to recover from that spell, um, so the will kind of gets the upper hand on him and starts beating him up. Um, but Marco's able to, to turn it around, starts choking out the will. The will's like seeing his life pass before his eyes, passes out. The Marco then grabs his shield um, that he's he's had since uh, pursuing from uh, the uh, the circuit planet, and uh, is about to behead the will. Um, remembers that he's a pacifist. You can tell in his eyes that he's like, oh, I choose not to kill. So he lets the passed out will live and he goes, turns his back on, on the will looks outside into space because they have launched into space. And all of a sudden you see this look on the, uh, on Marco's face, kind of a confused, almost serene look on his face. And you look down and you see the wills shrapnel hand through the chest of Marco and just a giant gaping hole through Marco's chest. 
and Rick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he falls. There's a flashback out of nowhere about Marco talking to Hazel, kind of almost like saying goodbyes in a way. And and then you come back to Marco's uh, panel of Marco, and it is kind of um, a mirror of, a, of another picture of him from the first, beginning of the issue of his face, but this time it just kind of has more of a blank look on his face, and there is a hole through him. He's on the ground. He's bleeding out, and that is how the first half of Saga ends. <laughs> so if you were reading at the time... <laughs> Which, fortunately, I wasn't. I actually ended up reading the volumes while they were on hiatus during, I think, 2019, at the end of 2019 is when I read. But this ended in, like, mid-2018, and this was the last scene of Saga that you that we've had. Well, not was. This still is the last is, scene of Saga until we until supposedly com- get more in January. Yeah, until Jan- the end of January, this is where we're at. <laughs> where one of you know the best characters and one of the most important characters of this whole story is most likely dead and the 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 next issue um cover that they've already revealed doesn't have marco on it but it has a lot of hazel and some character we've never seen before on it so well um if you read the individual uh issues there's a little uh letter from uh brian k vaughn's you know letting everyone know that the book's going into intermission Mm -hmm. blah 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 but he says very explicitly yes marco is dead (laughs) (laughs) so so they themselves didn't leave us much ambiguity there no so so there's a little more ambiguity because in the in the collective edition because there's no letter but but and I and, and also even though it's totally obvious that he's dead, it's just my my wishes and hopes that he's not dead, is what the only reason why I was like maybe he's not dead, you know. Um, so he's such a good dude. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, he's he's wonderful. I mean, he's great. But yeah, so we lose Doff. I put down Ayanthe. I'm pretty sure she bled out in that story. Or in that part, um, yeah. Sir Robot is definitely dead, and Marco is definitely dead, even though I don't want him to be. Um, but so we'll see what happens um, going forward here. Um, so uh, I have a few questions for you, Richard. Go for if it. If you don't mind. First, I mean, where? Okay, so what chunk, like what volume? was kind of like your favorite volume and uh, of this i know it's like picking <laughs> children essentially <laughs> like but still yeah you know yeah. i really liked um what would that be would that be volume maybe it's volume six or volume five basically when they're away from hazel and hazel's on the detention planet uh-huh. all of that's very fun <laughs> the heist yeah. that they're rating like um um clara the grandmother like everything about that like it's not as bleak as they like or maybe it's the least bleak of uh the portions of the narrative yeah the the story that takes place in the uh in in the um detention center is the least bleak of of this story that's that's saying something but no they uh, that's volume six actually that's like my favorite part as well 
you know, I think the the story really comes together in a good way, and you get you get some good you get some good Isabel moments, you get some good Goose moments. Um, yeah, you get tatted up, um, Grandma. The, it's, yeah, it's it definitely. I think that is my my favorite part as well. Um, now, do you have the favorite character? Oof. Once again, it's like picking your favorite child, I'm assuming. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, who would be my favorite character? I really enjoy Robot just because he's so fucked up. <laughs> I enjoyed Robot more the second time around. I really did. I think, and it's uh, he's a very dynamic character for a character that doesn't need to be dynamic. Right. Yeah. And like, uh, I would say like my top characters are. Uh, Marco, Marco's just a good person. His mom, Clara, the grandmother, she's fantastic. Yes. I enjoy Robot because he's fucked up. Petrichor, I enjoy because she's just no nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's hard to pick just what I love a lot of, like, yeah. Yuma. Is it like they're all, there's so many great characters. There is. And even Geist, like, uh, Heist. Heist is another fantastic character that we don't get to spend very long with. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, too, is that there's characters that are in, like, an issue and a half or even just an issue, and they're, like, some of the best characters. (laughs) I I listed all those characters, and I was completely wrong. There's only two. If you have to pick a favorite, it has to either be Isabella Goose. Yeah. (laughs) After my initial read, my first read ever, those were my two favorites. I'm actually kind of, like, I just, Alana and Marco, like, meant more to me this time reading around. And like their story and their kind of like that that their dynamic together and like their relationship is just so real, you know. It's and one like, of those. It's one of those things. If you've ever been in love, if you've ever had an argument with somebody that you loved, and you just see them kind of just persevere through these like really like like our situations, like oh, it's like we had an argument. It's like oh, their situation is always like we had an argument. Plus, it's life and death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to watch them persevere, like I don't know, the romantic in me, it's just like, yeah, that's that's really nice. Like it just makes me feel good. Which just adds extra stabbing to the chest when about Marco. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. <laughs> um, I think Hazel is becoming. I think by the end of the story, Hazel is going to be one of the best characters as well because she's the way she's being raised and the way she's being developed is pretty cool, you know. I love that, like, uh, Petricor just kind of trains her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, on the side to yeah, be a th- badass. Thank you for noting that, because I actually had that in my notes. I totally skipped it o- skipped over. I wrote my notes real fast, and it got they got real spell-checky, <laughs> real bad. <laughs> so there was parts where it seemed like I was hesitating. It's It was either because I was coughing or because I was uh, trying to figure out what the hell I wrote. Um, I literally said that that Marco and Alana went to Debbie's planet and I'm like, who's Debbie? And I'm like, oh wait, <laughs> Debbie is not part of this conversation. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and last but not least, um, so who, well, two-part question. Um, what would you like to see happen in the next half of the story? And also, who do you think if you had to go to Vegas and put money down on, aside from Hazel, what character survives to the end of the story? Who do you think it is? 
I think Squire survives. Um, I think Sophie survives. Like the youth definitely survive. I think. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, unless unless they age him up to enough where it's okay to kill them, you know, because it's like one thing to kill a kid, but once they they hit like eighteen or twenty, then maybe it's a you know now now they could be fodder, cannon fodder. <laughs> so, but I I could totally yeah I I kind of feel Squire and 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 Sophie are kind of safe bets. I think uh since he hasn't died yet, I think Upshur makes it to the end. Yeah, after the tragedy, I think I think both Usher and Petricor make it, or Petricor yes, that, sacrifices herself in some way. Yeah, you see, that's what I see too. Um, I think like maybe we haven't seen the last of Clara. Yeah, that, that I, I, I could totally see that. Like she gets out on like some sort of prisoner exchange. Her and uh, what was the uh, oh um, the auntie's name? I, I yeah. Um, well, well, well. It was implied while they were Lexus, on the Lexus, Lexus, Lexus. Thank you. Yeah, it was. It was implied that Lexus and and Clara were uh, were basically inciting a revolution, essentially inside that detention center. So there's a good chance that that revolution is going to happen soon, and they're going to be free. So along with, uh, so, the, yeah, I, I, yeah, I could foresee them still being around. Um, that's it. Like you I, don't. You, so you don't think Alana is going to make it? I don't think Alana's gonna make it. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. <laughs> I don't think Alana's gonna make it. I don't think Gwendolyn's gonna make it. How about Goose? Goose, Goose will be there. Goose. <laughs> yes, Goose is just gonna. But then again, if Goose ended up like sacrificing himself in an epic battle, that wouldn't surprise me either. And also, I mean, he already almost did in the in the first place too. Like when yes. when Yuma died, he was just like, "Okay, it's time for me to die." You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, save the day. So yeah, it's definitely inside him for him to be the hero. And so, do you think the will? It's gonna make it to the end, like I certainly hope not. At least towards the end, do you think he's gonna? Do you think he's the big bad? Oh yeah, I think he's gonna be hanging around as a foil. I don't think he's the big bad, but um, I'm a big nerd. So when you watch a Mobile Suit uh, Zeta Gundam, Uh at the beginning they introduce one character who basically he's the rival character, and then there's a more important big bad all throughout the show. But like okay. this rival still continually shows up and like fucks up. He, and he's very much or him and the will are in the same mode, like mold yeah. where that they're good at their job, but they think they're a lot better than they are, and they kind of just fuck up and fall ass backwards into stuff. That's that's a big trope too, especially in Gundam too, because in Gundam Wing, um, there's Zex Marquis, and he's not the main bad guy, but he essentially is that kind of foil character right. throughout the whole thing as right, well. Right, right. Yeah, and like, oh yeah, no, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gundam's all tropes. Like, yeah. <laughs> literally, all these characters. Like, I can tell you who's who depending on which Gundam. You, like, like, like who's fitting what archetype from the original Gundam in each show. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, there's definitely similarities per per series. But hey, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? You know, Damn straight. <laughs> yeah. Like the one Gundam series where they're like fighting like you know like they're like prize fighters like that that was a little different but that's still good you know but but more or less you know political intrigue you know like backstabbings basically everything that saga is but with robots there you go is is essentially is there anybody uh that you have pegged for surviving or dying um i i i i effectively essentially i 
I agree with you. I think everyone, see, the thing is, though, is that I feel that, well, we'll see, like, we'll see if there's, like, mercy kills. Because, like, Upshur, since he lost Doff, would be, like, an, uh, like a mercy kill. In a way, Clara dying because he she lost her husband, you know, and, like, now Alana, is she, you know, was she going to die because that's what she wants, you know, and, like, so I wonder, uh, the people who have now lost things, are they going to make it? Or are they going to be like spared the life of grief because they've lost people they love? But it's Saga, so I'm assuming they're going to live a long time. <laughs> these, <laughs> these characters that, that probably want to die. So, so yeah. Um, no, it's, I, I, it's very, it's a very, like, it's a super uplifting but very brutal book. Like, you can't get attached to anybody because they can go at the uh, drop of a dime. It is a good. It's yeah. It and it's everything in the story is is so mixed because you have like completely modern moments, you know, modern statements to be made, and at the same time, um, you know, it takes place in a fantasy, you know, galactic world. I mean, there's definitely messages about trans people, and there's messages about pro-life and pro-choice yeah, in the no, last no, there's, there's, there's messages of pro-life pro-choice war. Uh, pro-war anti-war about yeah. the carceral system so it's, about education yeah like there's a lot it's very dense you and could for something for a book that's not particularly wordy exactly it absolutely is not wordy at all but yet you're getting so much out of this and like and once again like a good sci-fi you could actually like have you know um like Alana be American and and Marco be like Middle Eastern and you know um and and have and I like had the whole story take place on Earth. Yeah. And and like each character, you know, and like like this is this is an earthbound modern day story that's ta- that's that's taking place in a fantastical universe. And I think that's what makes it so great because there's so much to relate to in this thing. You know, like yeah so like but yeah you get the fantastical elements you get basically um fiona staples to have carte blanche on whatever she wants to draw <laughs> so so yeah a lot um, of giant penises and balls in there yes there is okay. <laughs> so so and also i find that really interesting too because like it's one of the first like modern stories that has as many naked women as there are or rather that has as many naked men as there are naked women right they they're equal very equal opportunity very much the way that like game of thrones was written not shown but like written like before it became a tv show it was kind of the same way there was as much like male nudity, male, nudity. As female nudity. male gaze as yeah. far as, as well as female gaze yes exactly and so but then obviously the this that's what makes me kind of trepidatious about this becoming a tv show is that it's gonna have that same change in gaze you know is it gonna uh, absolutely yeah is, <laughs> it, is it gonna be it's like just how we do things here unfortunately yeah, yeah unfortunately oi sorry i keep coughing but I luckily have a mute button today. Um, so, so yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're just going to get like 
45 minutes to an hour long episode of them on sextillion with just a bunch of naked women and maybe one penis in season seven there you go <laughs> so it'll be like we showed a penis you know <laughs> like wow that's a quality baby you're progressive yay good job um but yeah so um but yeah um but that's not what makes the story good it, it's just a good story all together so um, yeah um this had been hyped up for years oh my god saga's so great saga's so great this is my first read through in my opinion it lived up to the hype like yes. and and that rarely happens with anything where you know someone tells you how amazing it is and then you're like oh no 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 validated yeah, <laughs> it's it's absolutely rare even like the greatest things they get they almost get like you know diminished because everyone loves him and you create a story in your head that's so much right. better than the story that could ever possibly be because you know your imagination knows how to please you <laughs> so so but yet when something like this exceeds even like your you know suspicions of how good it's going to be that's pretty amazing um this um undertale i the video game is one that's recently flabbergasted me as how great it was like after hearing everyone be like oh you know it's one of the greatest games of all time and i'm like sure it is and like yeah it was fantastic so the fandom sucks <laughs> but but <laughs> but that i think oh, that's the, uh, undertale has toxic fandom oh yes uh oh, but but um, fun. for for a game that that touts about being peaceful and loving people yeah of course there's still toxic people about it and it's a weird toxicity because it's like it's a toxicity about love and like acceptance. It's like you don't accept people enough. And you don't, you don't, you played it wrong because you're, you're killing people. Yeah. So it's weird. just, yeah, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> but the game itself, total recommendation. And that was, and I think that's the closest I felt to Saga in the last few months. That's why I brought it up. You know, like it's definitely worth the, uh, the hype. So that's the this is this is the the michael jordan of comics <laughs> this is <laughs> the wayne gretzky you know this is the, there's a reason why this is touted well you know this is the godfather too <laughs> of comics there you go put it yeah. in the pantheon definitely yeah this is this is uh a comic you know like 50 years 40 years down the line that this is going to be one of those hey you like classic comics like you know basically read the uh the citizen king of comics saga yeah know? no i mean it, it makes amazing use of the art form you yeah. know like like the the letters on the page are equally as important as the images on the page and just it gives it gives you so much i really really loved it yeah no absolutely so well um so i think that might be it for the saga saga um we're going to be back with regular episodes um by my schedule in two weeks we were obviously we're pre-recording this um at, at the time we're, we're in december so um hopefully everyone's having a good january right now <laughs> yeah we get more and, saga in yep. 2022 finally yes Okay, so we'll see you on oh the Oh my others. god, 2022 already. Yeah, it feels like we're still in 2020, in my personal opinion. Like I can't yep. believe that we're in 2022, but yeah, well, um, 
we'll see. I hope hopefully uh, Hawkeye was good. Uh, you guys all enjoyed it. Uh, it's good so far. We're on. If you want to timestamp this episode, we're we're on episode three right now or four rather. So we're almost there. Two weeks away. Okay. All right. Well, everyone have a good day. Uh, we'll be back next week with another bonus episode. Uh, watching a movie and uh, doing kind of what we did last uh, off season. So we'll talk to you soon. Bye everyone. Later. Later. Later.